Welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast. You're listening to the Retail Exchange Podcast with me, Carl McKeever. On this latest episode of the interview series, I'm joined by Boot CIO Rich Corbridge and Director of IT, Customer and Category, Jennifer Duffy. As a staple UK health and beauty retailer, Boots has been hugely successful in its transition to e-commerce, particularly during the pandemic. As a brand with strong roots in brick and mortar, the retailer continues to tackle the challenges of merging both experiences for their customers. In this episode, we explore the digital initiatives the retailer has recently spun up to continue offering services to customers the importance of speed of adaption, how its omnichannel approach is helping to build a digital e-commerce experience for the future, and why this initiative is so fundamental to their tech talent acquisition, retention, and development strategy. Welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Thank you for having us. So I want to begin by asking you both to just give a quick overview, your, your elevator moment, I guess, around your own role and profile within Boots. What do you do? So... I am the Chief Information Officer, which means that I'm responsible for everything technology-based, from cobots in the warehouse, the ability to know what's in the warehouse, what's coming forward, everything in store, point of sale, anything that changes in store that's got technology to make it happen, .com, the app, everything that we use to to run the, the business using technology, really. And recently, we've just moved data and data science under the CIO role as well, so responsible for data and technology across groups. Uh, so I work for Rich. Um, so the customer category platform, what is that? Great name, isn't it? So essentially responsible for the digital services within Boots. Um, so our .com website, the mobile app, um, and our marketing technology um, and that side of the business. Um, and I have counterparts that work in our healthcare business and our store, store business as well. So essentially responsible for all of our digital services. So, Rich, um, thinking back a couple of years, you moved into your current role as CIO in the summer of 2020. Um, Not an unremarkable time here in the UK, (laughs) plenty going on. How was that for you? Talking about, you know, some of the challenges that you faced, you know, suddenly when the country is in lockdown and all of our spending behaviour is certainly changing at at a moment's notice. And the challenges are just they're so well documented by so many retailers, aren't they? The growth that happened uh, online was exponential. Our ability to forecast what was going to happen day in, day out went out the window. So you're trying to manage peak times on peak days. We're not the same anymore. The graph of who was buying what, when and where. The ability to know who was going to the site and what would prompt them to go to the site and do purchases digitally, changing the way that supply chain works. So moving from, in our case, a single warehouse capability to many, many dark stores, hybrid stores, being able to do deliveries from stores, working with the the whole supply chain to try and ease the pressure, which grew very, very quickly across all our stores. But even down to products and, and what people thought of Boots as well changed. So Boots was linked really closely to the NHS and the way we helped the NHS with the pandemic with setting up the first test centres, doing COVID vaccine, continuing to do COVID test, putting pharmacists on NHS 111 a few weeks after the first lockdown to make sure that 111 didn't fall over. So people's perceptions across the UK of Boots became a lot more healthcare um, generated and that meant that the tech that we did for healthcare had to change as well. So you were looking at different ways of delivering digital pharmacy to to patients, uh, which was 
an amazing opportunity for Boots to really change what it was known for and what it's been capable of. And tell us about some of those early days when, you know, we first started to understand what was happening and suddenly stores were closing and people were being told for work from home and presumably the impact on your colleagues and your operations was immense. It was immense. I think one of the things we need to be really mindful of around Boots is that it stayed open. It stayed open because it was delivering a pharmacy service. So we'd got stores across the whole country that were open with pharmacy services only in there, still having to run the stores in the same way, but not making the revenue that you would expect to make from a store being open. So it put the business under a lot of pressure. But at the same time, customers on .com and on the app, wanting digital services, wanting to continue their, their beauty journeys, their interest in beauty, escalated quite significantly. And we all joked and saw that, didn't we? But people did different things to go on a Zoom call with a family that they wouldn't have in the past. And people still wanted the products that, that sell in that way. I think the long-term impact though still remains for Boots, whereas others talk about it changing, which is that agility and desire from us as an organization to do more digital foundations for our customers and patients, but also our patients' desire to still engage with Boots digitally hasn't waned. Whereas if you talk to sort of central NHS functions, you have seen that wane somewhat. And as a company with such a long heritage as Boots, presumably you have a lot of legacy systems within the business which were tested. <laughs> yes, we're both chuckling now. Yeah, we, you know, like any large, big retailer, we are built on some very um, old technology that needed to be continuously developed, supported and looked at and worked with. You know, we had plans in the, in the year of the first lockdown to move away from a lot of that technology and it wasn't feasible to do so at that time. So we were making the most, I think is the phrase that was used, of the tech that's there. We, subsequent to coming out of the, the worst of the pandemic, um, it, we've definitely been able to implement some of the plans that were there ahead of that, which is great. What we now see is a lot more preparedness to to move at scale and react more to peak moments, which is, again, a great piece of learning to take from the pandemic. That hybrid store capability, our expectation of our customers' boots to deliver has changed and we need to react to that and remain reactive to that. Jennifer, how is Boots balancing that kind of need, which is, I guess, re-emerging now that people are coming back to store for experience, you know, connectivity and integration? You know, I still enjoy shopping online, but increasingly, I'm now doing more offline as I return to the high street. How is the, the tech experience in store complementing what you can do online? Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? So you think during the pandemic, we were shopping online, we were in the app, we were making loads of really digital change from a Boots perspective. But post-pandemic, now we've got the stores maybe on tech from... I don't know, uh, 10, 20 years ago. And actually, um, I think we've realised that coming out of the pandemic. So um, we've done some initiatives recently in early March. We did a stores day um, where we essentially sent out um, 100 plus of our IT workforce into the stores um, all in one day, over 350 stores, um, with the absolute intention of by the end of that day, writing an IT strategy for our stores and to improve them and how we link that in from an omni-channel perspective into our digital experience. So. Off the back of that, we've now got our store-centric IT strategy. We'll now be able to work on that over the coming 12 months and kind of bring that agenda back into our digital app and our um, online space, which is interesting. Why did you feel it was important to take that approach? Because, you know, famously, I guess, you know, strategies tend to be written in a head office environment and they're, you know, given to people rather than perhaps the users contributing mm -hmm. to maybe what they need. Well, and they take months, don't they? 
um, and then years to get approved. And I guess the whole point was, um, and um, Rich obviously led on the initiative, but the whole point here is that we wanted the stores to be involved. We didn't want to just assume they've got Wi-Fi problems. We didn't want to assume they've got a problem in their pharmacy. We actually wanted to go see it, live it, breathe it, um, and also get them involved. Um, they'll have seen all of the digital transformation that we did through COVID. They'll have seen it was really important because obviously our stores were shut, but actually our stores are open now and we need to give back to those store colleagues and show them obviously that we're investing in them. Um, and obviously what we got through that was buy-in from our exec that at the end of that day, we would present a strategy for them to sign off with the intention that they would sign it off and we would go forward. So as a result, within weeks instead of months, we have a completely signed off store strategy for the next 12 to 18 months and going into our three-year plan, which is absolutely amazing. And we did another one last week in Northern Ireland because it proved so successful. So we are going to do it um, on an iterative basis now and going to different stores and doing the same thing and updating our strategy. For what were some of the surprises that you found out when you sent people into store? Do you know, some of it was just silly things like um, our pharmacists are using wired mouses and they keep tripping over them in the pharmacy. No one's ever going to report that on the call logging system. It's not considered a priority, but I went into three stores and all three of them mentioned it. So something as simple as just sending them some wired mouses has made a huge difference to that store. Um, and then there was way more complicated things like um, maybe the way our service desk is handling their calls could maybe be improved, um, that we could put action plans in place for. But some of the really simple things that we've been able to fix really quickly were probably the most surprising because they just don't get talked about as often as like a Wi-Fi issue or an issue logging a call. And from a user's perspective, when you solve their problems and make systems easy to work with, clearly they're going to adopt those and feel much more comfortable taking them forwards. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, my local store loves me now because they have... <laughs> because I've supplied them their wireless mouses, however. But yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think we've seen a real difference in the attitude from stores. Obviously, our operations team within Boots head office have been able to go out and talk to them about new initiatives and implementing them. And rather than stores wanting to be last on the list, so something's being tried and tested, they're now asking to be first because they see the benefit of that. So that's the big difference. So people are getting on board. Yeah, 100%. Um, Rich, what are some of the big priorities now for the business? Jennifer's obviously said you've developed a strategy, um, but clearly that's around the stores, you know, outside of the stores and, you know, thinking about e-commerce as well and warehousing, distribution, fulfillment, blah, blah, blah. Where, where are the big projects looming? Crikey. I mean, everything comes back together about around a concept of a customer value proposition for us. So trying to make sure that those organizational differences that Boots has. So you're in pharmacy, you're in healthcare, you're in general merchandising, you're in beauty. Actually, what we want is you to be in Boots and you to be in Boots, whether you're on your app, whether you're sat at home or whether you're actually in physical Boots. And in fact, how do we try and change your relationship in store to be able to benefit from your relationship online and vice versa? And you know, the, the overused phrase around omnichannel, which can be frustrating. But that is the end game here for us, that the blurred lines between all of the things that Boots offers as a single customer value proposition that you know that you can get things at Boots rather than you going on single mission journeys that sometimes mean you miss out on certain things. And as a customer, I might have very different relationships with different parts of Boots. I might be a Boots optician's customer in a very intimate and personalised way, but actually I might be quite a casual customer when I'm shopping health and beauty items. Yeah, and we want to we put that in your hands so it's your decision. So the work that, that Jennifer's team's done in the last 12 months to really supersize our MarTech capability, we're super proud of the work that's gone on to create personalized journeys for customers. But that's been done for retail and general merchandising. 
We want to be able to do that for healthcare. Imagine being able to offer personalized healthcare for you as a patient that you've consented to based on the things that you've had prescribed, the things that you've been in store for before. As long as you've given consent for Boots to offer personalized healthcare, then we can give you content. We can offer treatments for side effects before you even know you've got the side effects. We can add to your drug regime to help you manage a long-term condition in a different way. The key is the tools that have been used in retail so well from a personalization point of view can be used in healthcare as long as we work out how to do that consent game. The, the pandemic clearly uh, change people's behaviours overnight and from a company perspective you know many strategic plans were put on hold you mentioned earlier that that was also the case in Boots and you had to focus on the day job and really act fast to you know provide support where it was needed but where are you at now in terms of charting a path for the technology vision for Boots for the future? Well we're still two and a half years into a five-year plan and whilst our priority changed during the pandemic that plan held fast. So moving our e-commerce capability to cloud, being able to replace our payment capability, new basket, new checkout, new fraud capability, new app. So all of those things that were on the plan with a five-year roadmap ahead of them continued. And I think that's really important that two and a half years from now, Boots will continue to be an unrecognizable digital retailer. And by adding healthcare into that mix in a more prominent way, a force for good can come out of that, that digital healthcare capability that many others aren't able to do because of what we've done during the pandemic, because of our relationship with the NHS and because of the relationship that the UK and Ireland population has with Boots because of how old the brand is. And that to us, I think, is our direction continues. Jennifer, how is innovation solving retail's biggest challenges and creating new opportunities, do you think? Gosh, um... I think the really interesting thing um, now, especially with how we've moved on post-COVID with digital, is there are really good small innovations coming out that can really support um, the customers and can help us with the omni-channel journey. Um, there's so many challenges that you have, for example, in terms of looking at autonomous checkout in a store. How do you do that? How do you give someone a digital receipt? How do you make that compliant? And actually, there's so many small innovations coming out from small startup type companies that can kind of fill those gaps. So we're seeing over the last sort of six, 12 months as people sort of realize that they want to make a change, they want to do something different, these small companies popping up to solve all of these different problems. And I think historically a company like Boots may look to work with a more established company that's been around for kind of a long time. And actually we're seeing um, sort of a flip in terms of needing to work with more innovative, smaller companies to try and fill some of those gaps. From so an is that a cultural change? Um, yeah, and I, th I don't think it's just a boots cultural change. I just think in general these days to do things more efficiently, quicker in a digital space, you need to be able to work with smaller, more agile companies. Um, you still obviously do need to work with your big, your big um, SI partners, etc. But I think the amount of sort of smaller companies coming up now with new innovations, it gives you an opportunity to do things quicker and better for the customers. So um, I think I've seen that that's been really interesting over the last few months, kind of seeing that emerge and being able to kind of go on that journey with some of those smaller suppliers and see how that fits into our digital journey. So this is where recognising where specialist help, you know, something which is a very specific uh, product can be complementary to your overall aims. Yeah, 100%. No one can ever ever be everything to everyone. So you might have just a small gap that you want to build into your solution. And it's been open to kind of looking at that and seeing how that fits in. And in this day and age, as long as companies are working with open, uh, open APIs, kind of the world is your oyster. So 
kind of coming back to your conversation earlier around old technology we have got some old technology we do need to upgrade it but as we upgrade it it gives us the opportunity to link in with these type of suppliers and really kind of do some really cool and innovative stuff on the website and in the mobile app Rich, uh, I suppose a big question, but can the current speed of retail innovation, and certainly from a technology perspective, be sustained? You know, or have we reached peak innovation yet? I think it has to be sustained. I mean, retail's not a different industry when you look at others that are moving at the pace. Consumers want to shop in different ways, be supported in their shopping in different ways, access services in different ways. I think the, the plan or the game maybe is picking which things to, to back. There is so much tech and so much change and so much difference that consumers, both on the high street and online, will struggle to always be able to react to all the different tech all at the same time. It can become almost a, a smorgasbord of everything that's happening at once and you get confused. You've got to pick the right tech that makes a difference to your business model and your customers. And is this a case about adding more fancy stuff or is it about, in some ways, a back-to-basics approach really and just getting the fundamentals right? It's definitely not the fancy stuff. I think Boots has has really prided itself to the point of of distraction maybe in some ways in not having a, a showcase store, a single place where all this stuff lands that may not ever roll out anywhere else. What Boots is trying to do through both online and in store is take the ideas that Jen's just spoken about and apply them where it makes a customer value difference or a patient value difference and then grow them from that basis. Simply taking all the new tech and throwing it at something is is not feasible for an organisation of our size or our heritage because that's the other thing that we advise startups when they come to us is, is not everything is as easy as they think it is because we're a big organisation. So changing things in an organisation of our size, sadly, is slow and laborious to do. And that means that we need to be truly partnered with startups that want to work with us in an ecosystem with an end in sight together. Mm. And, and, and within that, you know, some of the innovations that we're currently working with, I imagine just fixing one pain point can actually have huge incremental benefits to a customer's journey. Yeah, definitely. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, you can imagine the throughput in stores when there's two and a half thousand bricks and mortar stores. If you can fix a pain point in one store, you've fixed it in two and a half thousand and suddenly you, you, your flow, your ability to please, your ability to keep colleagues happy is, is fundamentally changed. And we, we know that's how we have to go after some of these things. Thinking about the amount of inventory in a typical boot store, the assortment is huge. Uh, during the pandemic, when people were suddenly now to rush to buy everything online, what kind of pressure did that put on the organisation from a fulfilment perspective? Oh, huge. <laughs> um, I don't know if Rich, you want to add, because obviously um, I joined Boots post-pandemic, but from a supply chain perspective, it was it was massive. Um, our warehouses were absolutely impacted. And, and, and I guess one of the immediate things... Um, early pandemic was really addressing that quickly and really really quickly to make sure that we could get orders out Um, and I know Boots personally from a shopping perspective did that really really well Um, so yeah I mean Rich I don't know if you want to add yeah I mean we didn't have hybrid stores we didn't particularly do click and collect as a as a big thing that Boots was renowned for and now we have that across on 200 250 stores that are picking with our warehouse to make sure that we can fulfill for 
managing peak, managing Black Friday, Christmas time, that's been phenomenal for us because it's now set up. The tech's there, the data moves, the algorithms to work out where to pick and pack and where to send from the warehouse are all there. So whilst we've got everything ranging from you know real legacy old capability in the warehouse from a forecasting point of view managing stock, we've also got 250 cobots running around the warehouse supporting people in packing and collecting products. So it's such a huge thing for us to have that ability to do things in such a different way. The supply chain probably was the quickest impacted and probably the one that's most benefited in reality from the innovation that came about post-pandemic. Um, what, why do you think that increasing digital adoption is not the single answer alone? You know, it, it, do stores still have a real point in, in this whole scenario and, and retail mix? Yeah, I mean, definitely stores still have a, without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, for all sorts of reasons. I think if you use healthcare in our place, in our position though, differently, we offer something quite different because instead of just looking online for healthcare products, you can go in and talk to a human being face to face. You can show them the thing you're concerned about. You can get that known advice and guidance that comes with a loyalty and a brand that people know and understand and a comeback that people know and can understand how they do that. As long as that in-store visit is thoroughly supported by the digital onward capability, then I think stores will have a place forever in in the way that boots delivers so the, the kind of the human and the empathetic is as important as all the efficiency drives that you can definitely. do through digital yeah definitely i mean i don't see a world where boots becomes a try on place and that you go home and buy for example you will always want pharmacy advice and the nhs will always need community pharmacists boots and others to be there to try and stem the flow into gp and into a and from a, from a retail perspective, from a beauty perspective, obviously there's been loads of great innovations online in terms of trying lipsticks on at home virtually, but you're never going to really get that feel of walking into a shop, trying it, speaking to the advisor online. You can get close, but you can't get quite there just yet. So I think essentially we're still going to need that. People are still going to want to walk into a store, try a perfume on, try on a lipstick. That gives them the comfort to make that purchase because it especially for a high-end beauty brand, they're never just going to blindly pick that online, um, no matter how good the technology gets in reality. As, as a team, both of you are always scouting, I guess, and looking for new solutions that can solve uh, different kinds of problems. How do you sort the, the fanciful from the reality? Oh, that is a good question, because you can. You can get taken away, can't you, by bright ideas or actual innovations and there's a fine line between the two for me it's about the scalability and ability to implement into what we've got and it is also about creating that partnership that relationship early doors for me it's it's looking at something is it scalable how easily would it fit with what we're doing and then it's testing the the durability of the founders, the organization itself, in, in building a partnership relationship, not just making a quick book against the organization. It, I think for me as well, it's about the people. So in reality, there will be more than one person that can do something. There'll be more than one company that can do something, but Boots is a people company, people-focused company, and it's a family-type ethos. And realistically, we want to work with a company that shares in our values, shares in our brand, um, and from a people perspective, someone that we want to invest in, invest our time in and invest in a partnership with. 
And, and presumably, when you've been to a big event like this, your heads are full of new stuff, ideas are buzzing. At some point, you have to sit down and think about, you know, is there a business case for this and, and putting that business case forward. Um, you mentioned earlier that the, the senior team have, have changed as well in, over the uh, recent months and that there's more of an appetite now, perhaps, for looking at how and seeing where innovation can support the business. What do you need to do to, to land one of these ideas into the company and say, you know, we want to try this? I guess the first, the first difficulty is that where we are today, we have two or three of the IT team here. And I would start the conversation normally by saying it shouldn't be IT that are bringing these innovation ideas to the table. It should be our business that do that. And that IT are there to help support, validate, understand, work out how it's implemented. It's nice to be here and be able to bring some of those back to our business. Um, I think we mustn't think that we know better though. So it is about taking the ideas to our business and understanding how they fit. It's not just about technology, I can plug it in, it'll work. It's from our business point of view and our direction and what we know about our customers now and next, what does the whole business think this would look and feel like? And I think that's... So these are multi-stakeholder decisions ultimately. Hugely, hugely. I, you know, I never would try to presume that IT know how to bring any of the innovations that we've seen today to because bear in our business. Because there could be a marketing benefit or yeah, a supply chain absolutely. or a people benefit. Yeah. yeah, I think what companies can be really good at is finding all the reasons to not do something, right? So I think of all the places I've worked in my career, Boots is probably one of the first places I've worked at where they tend to find all the reasons to do something rather than not do it, which I think is really positive. So I've seen even since I joined the company, we've done so many things quickly, such as store days that I just never thought would be possible really from an IT perspective. So um, I think that's nice. It's nice to see us kind of championing those things, helping the business move along um, in terms of their thinking from a digital perspective and being able to come to an event like this and go back with ideas and say, look, this is what we've seen. This is how we think it could benefit the business. And actually, how do we do this and how do we take it forward quickly? Um, from a business case perspective so that we ourselves don't become a blocker for changing things for the customers. Um, and one of the big conversations right now seems to be all about data and not just how we harvest the data and store the data and, and all that kind of big thinking stuff, but actually how you get insights from the data. How, how much importance does Boots put on it? I mean, it seems you're both giggling away here and laughing at kind of... I'm imagining this is a topic that's actively being discussed. Yeah, it's huge. I mean... One of the big success that Jen's team's had is the, the implementation of the Adobe MarTech stack into Boots. There's 1.9 billion data items being shipped in the last six months from a multiplicity of, of systems into a single solution that can be the, the, the ground force to MarTech to personalize our, our customer journeys, our website, our app, the way that we push messages out. It's become really, really important to us that we get not just insight, but use data. We're a, a company that were one of the first to have a, a loyalty card with the Advantage card 25 years ago. We've existed delivering prescriptions or, or pharmacy drugs for over 170 years. You can only begin to imagine, therefore, the amount of data in every dreamed-up format ever conceived we have. And therefore, trying to make it all readable by modern technology requires a groundswell of, of change of opinion in how and what we do with data that has to be first sold to our customers because consumers in the UK are sick of getting marketing emails and things that aren't personalized and things that aren't anything to do with what they want today or tomorrow but are just some random thing that happened a few weeks back. 
or perhaps even have concerns about how their data may be used. You know, especially with a company like Boots, which is so you know, personal in so many ways, where you have knowledge about me and my healthcare needs. You know, people want to feel confident that their data is kept private. Yeah, I mean, the consent part of delivering personalised healthcare is the single most important thing for us to get right because we have to learn lessons from the NHS, learn lessons from other healthcare systems, and genuinely learn lessons from healthcare systems. This is not a marketing retail story. Is this one of the things, Richard, which, which you keep you awake at night, is how do you keep your customers' data secure? You know, we've seen many high-profile examples where big brands have unfortunately had some incidents along the way, which has caused a breach of trust and a breach of data. Um, it is one of the things that keeps me awake at night around the security of it. But it's one of the things that keeps me awake at night around the excitement of it as well. Because I truly believe that the, the level of difference an organisation like Boots could make to the delivery of healthcare by, with the proper consent and proper protection, using the data, um, is, is, will change the way healthcare is delivered in the UK. And I, I really want to be at the forefront of making that happen. So taking away the concerns is actually the big enabler, really. Yes. Yeah. Jennifer, why, why do you think that we should um, you know, be really thinking differently about data and how we can use that and the insights it can provide to drive better experiences for consumers? The interesting thing for me on data is don't take data and don't store it unless you're going to do something good with it. There's no point in you having data that you're going to do nothing with that doesn't bring any benefit to either you as an organisation or, or to our customers. So um, from my point of view in terms of the Boots website and our marketing capability, it's all about personalisation. So not just about healthcare personalisation, but also retail personalisation. So actually being able to give something back in terms of a customer's journey, support them in terms of things they may be interested in. And I don't mean bad personalisation. Someone that bought... Um, prenatal meds two months ago doesn't want them again now they've probably given birth they probably more want nappies or some baby clothes so you can do personalization really badly and it's actually about doing it in the correct way so um, I think that's really important in terms of using the data for that um, and then aside from the customers as well it's also really important that from a retail perspective we can give something back to our um, vendors that are in our stores so being able to provide data to the counters that are in our stores your Dior counters your Chanel counters Kali Cosmetics, actually being able to give them the data of the footfall in the stores, whether their products are placed correctly, both in the stores and online actually. So what's selling well, what's not selling well and, and helping them with that data. So information that can actually help them to you know, develop and grow your businesses together Absolutely, by yeah. more meaningful use of the information that's out there. Yeah, definitely. So it enables us when we go into partnership um, with someone, say Kylie Cosmetics, for example, it enables us to actually have that conversation and say, this is the type of data we can give you. This is how we can work together um, and actually grow your brand, grow our brand and do that together. So that's a really positive thing. And that data is really, really powerful. It's a partnership word, isn't it? I think that's really key here is that by going at the use of data in a partnership, and one of those partners is the consumer or the patient who said, yes, I'm happy to or want to have my data used to help my consumer journey better, my healthcare journey better. So it is a tripartite arrangement that we're in in each transaction. Now, every company is trying to innovate, trying to do more, trying to go further. But surely this must be having a huge drain on talent in the UK. Um, we had a conversation earlier on with Joe Graham, CIO from Boohoo, who has over 100 active vacancies in her department. Surely everyone's scrabbling around looking for the same, you know, bright young things to try and solve their problems. But how do you, as Boots, hire or even 
begin with, attract to hire, you know, the best talent that's out there. So I joined Boots recently. Um, so from experience, for me, it's about um, the culture, the people, using our new hires to really explain the how we work in Boots to attract our talent, um, going out of our way to actually put ourselves out there and, you know, advertise ourselves, essentially. We want people to come and work for us. This is an employee market at the moment. It's not an employer market. You need to actually go and sell yourselves when you're interviewing. You're no longer actually interviewing the person. You're selling yourselves as a company. And I think from our perspective, um, we've done so many great things in Boots in terms of giving additional benefits and kind of advertising those. Ladies, for example, that work for Boots now get free menopause treatment. And that's a new initiative that came out in the last couple of months. And those kinds of things, companies just have to build and build and build on what they can offer to really attract talent. And in the IT market right now, it is, it is crazy. We also have vacancies and filling them is tough. You go to offer and you've got five, six companies chasing after the same resource and that is the reality of it. So it's about what else you can bring as a business to those people in order to recruit them. And that's really important. And it is one of the reasons I came to Boots. It was the brand, it was the benefits. It was the opportunity to not just um, work for someone, but actually give back a little bit. Um, I come from a healthcare background pre coming to Boots. So it was really important to me to still have that link into healthcare and be able to give back from a customer-patient perspective. So. And do you find there's a difference now in terms of what people are looking for as part of the package? Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, post-pandemic, you know, we've spent more time at home, people yeah. were autonomous working, people now who are perhaps reluctant to come to an office environment, maybe want more flexibility with their families or whatever. What are some of the things that Boots are changing to try and make your, you know, employment more attractive? Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? The, we're here today talking at a, a, a retail event and what I as CIO at Boots was asked to talk about is something we call Tech at Boots, a movement that's been created to help us give the best for everybody who works in technology and all the different permutations of technology in a retailer. So we've created what's now become known as a movement through this Tech at Boots initiative, which includes inclusive IT. How do we truly prepare every colleague for diversity equity and inclusion? How do we make sure that our recruitment is based in those principles? Tekka Boots includes all our professionalisation, so our partnership with the British Computer Society to give people access to become a fellow of the BCS, our ability to give pharmacists access to digital training, to qualify the health tech team up to degree level in what health technology means on a global stage. Our new stores initiative that Jennifer mentioned earlier, giving people the opportunity for them to pick which stores they go to that we allow and facilitate them to, to go to so that they can they can travel around the UK, they can understand and see different so permutations. So a broader base of... Absolutely. Of, uh, yeah, and, and more flexibility about people, people's working conditions and working life with you. Absolutely. It's been a, a massive part of where we go. Our innovation centre in our head office in Nottingham, creating a single collaboration space for the whole business. Yes, it's based where IT sit, but the vision of that is this is a reason to come back into the office, something useful to use to help you collaborate in your day-to-day -day job. My next question was going to be, how do you build the ecosystem to support what your plans are? And it sounds as if these are some of the key pillars around what you're doing. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, that when you look at what we think of as an ecosystem now, it absolutely is about how do all of those pillars come together. You know, whether it's the partnerships that we create with the big organisations, with the startups, it's our strategy around how we attract and retain people. It is inclusive IT and how do we make sure that diversity underpins all of that in a direction. And then it's, it's caring for our colleagues. 
So Seb, our MD, talks about making every colleague's day that bit happier than the day before through using technology. Make it easier to work here through the technology that we try to deploy. Final question goes to you, Jennifer. Um, what learnings would you offer to other retailers, maybe not as big as Boots, or, or perhaps they are? Things which you have done, which may not necessarily have been huge scale transformations, where you've done something seemingly simple, which has actually had a transformative effect on people. Something as simple as just going into a store and asking what's wrong and what you can do to fix them. I mean, it's crazy when you think about it that we've not done it previously with the 2000 plus stores. Doing that in a day has transformed our store business and what we can do for them over the next year. And I would absolutely recommend anyone to just actually go out there, put feet on the ground and find out what's going, what's going on. So don't assume you also know absolutely. the problems, find them out. Exactly. Um, from a digital perspective, I would say sometimes the revolution is actually getting back to basics and doing that well and doing it right. Um, you'll find when you get under the hood, especially when you start to look at old technology, etc., that actually, if you just start to implement some of the basics correctly, you can move forward much quicker. Um, so that would be my second thing. So don't get blinded by science necessarily yep. in terms of the new stuff. Actually sweat the asset that you've got and make it work. Yeah, and absolutely. And then I think the last thing would be just be open to new ideas, new companies, startups, listen to people, take time to listen to people. Um, you won't find out about these things and the innovations unless you actually spend time out of your day speed dating, for want of a better word, actually speaking to the companies, understanding what they can do and really getting under the hood of what they could bring to the business. I think if you actually invest some time in doing that, you'll soon find that at least one in 10 of them is going to be really valuable and bring something to your business. Um, I think it's really easy to decide that you're too busy and you don't have time to talk to these people when actually it can bring huge benefit. And, and final question to you both, and I'm fascinated to know this, and it's probably going to be the hardest question of, of the interview. You, you guys must have very, very full heads, <laughs> juggling all of this stuff all of the time. What makes you switch off when you're not thinking about working? What are the stuff that you know Do brings you off? joy? <laughs> I think this is going to sound a bit cheesy, but at the moment working in the team that we've created, it is such a great team and an enjoyable team to be part of. It's way too cheesy. But, but it's true. I think we do support each other massively. We're going through a huge amount of change. We're trying to deliver so much and the team is there for each other. You know, Not only are we doing transformation, but something breaks in the middle of the night, the team are up in the middle of the night fixing it and they're there for each other. And, and that doesn't help you switched off, but at least you've got somebody to lean against. And that's something that in 18 months I'm super proud of, that we've created a team that truly puts their arm around the next person and tries to help them cope and maybe switch off and keep moving forward with everything they're doing. And, and seems to, certainly judging by your body language here, is something that's very motivating. Yeah, it is. To me, it's something that matters massively that we don't, we don't burn people out, we don't cause people to have problems, but we do, perhaps wrongly, but we do expect a huge amount from everybody who works there, but they give a huge amount. They believe in SEB, they believe in our organisation, and that's hugely important to us. And Jennifer, how about for you? How do you switch off? I'm not sure you can ever fully switch off. I think if you really believe in what you're doing and you believe in the company that you work for, I think you don't really switch off, and I think that's a, that can be a good thing. I think you do walk down your high street, you see a boot, you get excited, you take a picture, I'm outside my local boots. If it really means that much to you, then you kind of switch off in a different way. I think it's still consciously, like subconsciously there and you're still kind of thinking about it. I think we do a lot of work, as Richard touched on, in sort of building the teams and um, 
succession planning and obviously developing all of the teams in such a way that, I mean, let's face it, we could switch off. Um, but I think we're all so passionate as a leadership team about what we're doing that we've tried really, really hard to kind of stop, switch off and go do something else. But we really just want to see it happen and make a difference. And I think especially having a, a healthcare background pre retail it gives you a slightly different angle when i go look at a retail challenge i think oh hang on a minute we did that differently in healthcare or actually how can we bring this retail thing to healthcare so it kind of has made us think about things in a completely different way in terms of the how we've built the teams and the mix of industries we've got in them so i mean in short i don't switch off and i don't think richard does either actually because we both like it too much in reality but um there's just something about the brand there's something about the people um, everyone really, really cares about boots and loves and really loves what we do, and I, and I think that that just sums it up, really. Yeah. And you're clearly both driven by these great challenges that you've got and the and the solutions that you're finding. So it's been a delight to talk to you both. Um, thank you so much. Um, um, thank you to Jennifer Duffy, Director of IT Customer and Category, and to Rich Corbridge, CIO at Boots. Thank Many you very thanks. much, Bill. Cheers. Thank you. That's all we have time for on this episode of the Retail Exchange Podcast. From me, Carl McKeever, goodbye and thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter. Hashtag Retail Exchange. Thanks for listening.